Hey, Scott and John here with Bible Mysteries. We want to thank you for being a listener, but we'd love to invite you to become a subscriber. Absolutely. This will only help us to expand the amount of people that we're able to reach and show the secrets in the Bible that the world doesn't want you to know about. That's right, John. And if you subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast, you get some great benefits. Access to every current episode, the full thing, even with our interviews and any special events we do. Plus, we have downloadable show notes. We have our community forum and Slack that you can join. And we have our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter. So for just $7 a month, you can help support us get the word out and defeat the satanic global elite. To subscribe, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com. Thanks again for listening and enjoy the episode. Welcome to Bible Mysteries. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? You're listening to episode 128, Satan's Attack on Our Children, Part 2. Now here are your hosts, Scott and John. Welcome back to Bible Mysteries Podcast. I'm Scott Mitchell. I'm John Potts, and this is the show that talks about things in the Bible that the world does not want you to know. Yeah, we had kind of a heavy, heavy conversation last week. It was week. heavy. Heavy duty, man. I think it's going to get heavy again this time, too. We're going to continue our discussion about Satan's attack on our children. Uh, I think, you know, John, this is such an important topic because everybody who's a parent I mean, of course, we worry about our kids anyway. Yeah. Yeah, we're concerned about their well-being. But I think um, as Christian parents, yeah, and maybe even some of you out there that are not believers, but you feel like uh, you're concerned about your children's, uh, yeah. you know, what's, what's around you're them. You're wondering what's going on. Uh, yeah. And uh, maybe you're looking for answers. And hopefully you'll find some answers in the scriptures to help you with all this. But I want to start off today uh, reminding folks that um, when you listen to Bible Mysteries podcast, um, Apple podcast app, if you do use Apple, they allow you to leave reviews. And we thank everybody who's left a review before. Mm -hmm. If you've been enjoying the podcast and you like what you hear, if you think of it, maybe you'd leave us a review. I don't think every platform allows you to do that. Yeah. Spotify, we're looking into what is the challenge there. But our largest audience uses Apple. Apple Podcasts, okay. yeah. So we want to ask all of our, especially our seekers, if you are a subscriber to Bible Mysteries Premium, uh, one of the great ways you can leave feedback for us is to leave a review on Apple. And hmm. uh, so, yeah, next time you're thinking of it, if you can, go just share something that you like about the podcast. Help us get that rating up. That gives us more exposure and what one of the things that we can do to help promote this message is our ranking in uh, the podcast apps mm -hmm. and right now we're pretty low down the totem pole yeah. on that I think we, we vacillate between like 180 and 200 okay uh, and we had to use the category of history as our main category okay for the podcast because the religious 
category is so full. Okay. You know, we're just wow. white noise okay. in yeah. religion. Uh, but if you go to history, because the Bible is a historical book. Yeah, absolutely. So to me, I felt like <clears throat> that was a very valid category because, you know, you have to choose one of their set categories. Mm-hmm. You can't just make one up, you know, crazy UFO things. I mean, they don't have a category for that yet. <laughs> but archaeology. Yeah. You know, talking about things that have happened in the past. That may be one of our subcategories. Yeah. yeah. But our primary category is history. So history. that that allows us to be placed somewhere yeah. in the in the realm of possibility of being in the top 100. So we'd love to get up there, and that gives us more exposure, and people start to go, hmm, what's this thing all about? They're number 30 on the charts, you know, and if they do... Yeah, and, well, the great program. thing is, if you can if you can start getting noticed in the rankings, and we really rely on reviews, but mm-hmm. we also rely on people sharing the show, Absolutely. which is super easy with Apple Podcasts. You just take it, you click on the show, it says share right at the bottom, and you can send it off to someone else, yeah. right? Which and, and by the way... if there's no better episode to share than not only this one, but the one we did last week, which yeah. is Satan's Attack on Children. Because if you've got grandchildren or children, you want to talk to parents so they're on the watch out. But anyways, absolutely, getting those shares and getting up in the rankings is going to do things like other people who have shows out there are going to notice and they're going to say, who's this Scott Mitchell guy? They're not going to say John Potts because nobody's going to want me on their show, right? <laughs> they might. <laughs> I'm, just the, I'm just the Ed McMahon guy on the couch. But they're going to ask you to come on their show, which is going to expose Bible mysteries right. to that audience who may also have questions and maybe they've got a great show and they're getting answers, but mm-hmm. then maybe we're talking about something that they're not talking about. It's networking for, it the, is. for the greater good. Right. Exactly. And what John's saying is a way that some of you, you know, sometimes people will tell us, I, I, I'm looking forward, I could get to the point where I can subscribe, but I just can't afford that $7 a month. And I understand that. I mean, that's just a reality of life right now, mm-hmm. especially in this economy. Uh, but these are things you can do that don't cost you a dime. If you love the content, share it. Tell your friends about it and uh, let them know about it. And, you you know, you mentioned parents and grandparents for this particular series on Satan's attack on our children. But mm-hmm. even aunts and uncles, you know, almost somebody knows, a, knows yeah. a family member Teachers. that has children. Yeah, a good point. Yeah. yeah. So uh, this is a way to, to get this message and by out. By the way, from for sharing and following YouTube as well. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Like we mentioned last week, the uh, <clears throat> the the... We want you to subscribe, although that's not really the key to uh, YouTube's success. Uh, it's not the number of subscribers, it's the number of views. Yeah. So when a, when a show is viewed a lot, then that increases the potential revenue from those little ads that pop up on YouTube. And it doesn't bring up very much money, but it does bring up a little bit. It, it'll, sure. you know, it'll cover the cost of you know, something somewhere. Well, we're and, just going to uh, put it right back into the show to get it back out there to more people. So absolutely. it's not, it's not about lying in our pockets. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. yeah, well, no, we, and just for what it's worth, you know, we, we have jobs and we, we do yeah. what we do for, for our living to, to pay our bills. So it's not take, we're not taking that money from the podcast to do that. We're, we're putting that back into the podcast because we want to improve it. Yeah. We want to grow it. We just like to make it uh, even more accessible every way that we can. And incidentally, uh, our website, the new website, which is BibleMysteriesPodcast.com, uh-huh. uh, we're going to be having new things coming there soon for our premium subscribers. That members forum area is coming. I promise you we're working hard. It's just a lot of technical things to get through. Yeah. And then once we've done that and that's up and running, we're going to get that store open yeah. where you can look for things like these shirts and these coffee mugs. 
or whatever. We're gonna we're gonna try to find a way for you to you know share the brand because you're telling people about us, and we yeah. really we really appreciate. Which, you by the way, is not gonna be a way for us to generate a bunch of cash, right? I, I don't think it's, we actually it, make money with. It, it'll be more yeah. about if someone wants to wear this pullover so that they go to a social gathering and people are like, what is that? And yeah. they're like, hey, this is a podcast that I support. It's another way of sharing, right? Yeah. A it's t- really advertising. A t-shirt that you can wear to the gym and then you, your buddies that you run into at the gym are like, what is that? It, you get, it opens a doorway, by the way, for you to talk to them about Christianity. That's true. <laughs> I mean, is it? People have Bible mysteries. What is that? This yeah. podcast has opened up more opportunities for me than I've ever had in my life. Just because people are like, what wow. are you doing now? <laughs> right? So they know me because I'm the ex-wine and spirits guy. I'm the ex-liquor guy, which most people in the audience <laughs> probably don't know. Hopefully that didn't turn a bunch of people off. Ex, by the way, I'm not doing it anymore. But they're like, what are you doing now? And I say, oh, you know what? I'm co-hosting this podcast. <sighs> really? I mean, they're like kind of blown. What, what's it called? Bible mysteries. And they're just like, what? You know, so it opens that door for to have a conversation. So truly a blessing. So. It, it really is. And and it's a great thing to know that um, this is another way that essentially you're helping us if you mm-hmm. if you do order something that you can wear publicly or show, you know, a coffee cup in the office or something like that. Yeah. It it starts that conversation because it's like advertising. Yeah. I don't think we make a profit on these items because they're expensive to produce. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, you could mark them up if you wanted to, but that's not the revenue. The primary revenue for a, a podcast does not come through merchandising. Mm-hmm. That's sort of no. an adjunct. I look at it as an investment in advertising. Yeah. And there's no greater advertisement than word of mouth. So if you're telling people about us and then you're striking up conversations because you happen to be wearing a ball cap or something and somebody goes, what is that? And why is there a UFO next to the Bible? Yeah. <laughs> then you can you can yeah. you have an opportunity to tell them who knows what. You might have a, a chance to tell them about the Lord or maybe only enough time to tell them about the podcast. Uh, tell them where to go to the website. And uh, all of that works together to get more people to hear this message. I hear you. Hey, well, thanks, John. Yeah. Um, today's episode is brought to you by our seekers, Tiffany S., Doralis H., and Keisha M., all of whom joined us in October of last year. Thank you, Tiffany, Doralis, and Keisha for being Bible Mysteries Premium subscribers. And uh, what you're doing goes a long way into helping us continue to reach people. So we appreciate you. And today's episode, we're going to get back to part two of Satan's attack on our children. So we, last week, John, looked historically at what was going on with one means of attack that Satan used in Israel and through the Canaanite nations that surrounded them, which was to sacrifice their children. That's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. And then Satan um, is his angels. We already discussed this, uh, his human proxies. uh, They've all been involved in trying to target young people, uh, whether it was for depopulation and, and to offer their blood and sacrifice to these devils or whether it's to, uh, turned their hearts away from the Lord. Yeah. And we last looked at some passages in Matthew where Christ gave a special warning to those who would offend one of these little ones. Yeah. It would have been better for them to have their um, drowned in the sea yeah, with a millstone. A millstone around their neck. Yeah. Yeah. Than to uh, turn away one of these little ones. So we see a special provision for children. And I think they start off inherently with a desire to know their creator. And you think about it. Our earthly fathers are a child's first 
picture and concept of what our Heavenly Father is. Yeah. Because they learned, I mean, maybe they say mama first as their first word, you know. Yeah. But dada's, dada is right behind it, right? And, uh, and the way we treat our children is going to have a huge impact on the way they have any interest or inclination whatsoever to seek a relationship with the God, Father, Heavenly Creator that made them. Yeah. And if you go to Ephesians chapter 6... Which I, I think at the end of our last podcast, I mentioned... Um, Alice Bailey and the Ten Steps to, yes. destro- to Destroying Christianity, and one of it may have been the very first step. I can't remember, but one of them was to break apart the family. Yeah, unit. the because nuclear if family. You can remove the father from the family, then all of a sudden you take away that figurehead of God, right? You're right. And God's love and God's authority. You're right for children to grow up in. So, and that's one of the biggest problems. I mean, our divorce rate across the United States, well, not the United States, maybe well, the world. Anyway, the world is over fifty percent. Yeah, it is, and that, that's because Satan's attacking that relationship specifically because there's a spiritual responsibility yeah. upon fathers to raise their children in the love of, of the Lord. Yeah. And you, when you remove the father from the equation, he, he gets replaced by the state. And the yeah. state is godless. Yeah. So how can there possibly be the connection that needs to be made when the father, and, and even if there's not a divorce, if he's not saved and he's not raising his children in the nurture, here's the, here's hmm. the warning here. Look in verse 4 of Ephesians 6. Ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Um, that's what we as fathers are supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Provoking them to wrath, I believe, is more than just don't make them angry. That that's clearly intended in the context. Yeah. You know, and you think about don't make them angry, like don't discourage them, don't provoke them in a certain way. Uh, but in fact, the very next verse, a very similar passage is Colossians three twenty one. And it almost says the same thing, but it words it slightly differently. It says, fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. And through anger comes rebellion. Yeah. This is not to say we don't use discipline, but we use it in love. So there's a correct Mm -hmm. way to discipline our children. But when we're provoking our children to wrath, what about thinking of it in terms of God's wrath, God's anger? When we drive a child's heart away from the Lord so that he turns to the world... Mm-hmm. If we, you know, it's it's one thing not to provoke your child by you know, picking on him and criticizing him and making him angry. We should never do that. We should always be encouraging, correct yeah, where it's yeah, needed, yeah. but give encouragement where it's due. But at the same time, if we ignore our child and we don't raise them in the admonition of the Lord, they grow up in the possibly being um, a target of the wrath of God because mm-hmm. they don't have a relationship with the Lord. They don't know Christ as their Savior. They join in the rebellion of Satan and his angels, and ultimately yeah. they might take the mark. Well, they're gonna they're gonna be angry, right? If a father doesn't pay any attention to his child, right? The child is gonna feel. Um, I don't even know how to say it. The child is gonna feel left out, yeah, um, unloved, right? right? Whatever you could come up with a bunch of different words, but they're gonna get angry, and they're gonna get angry at the world, and they're gonna be angry at him, and they're gonna be angry at God. Yeah. And you know, if you're provoking your children, it's not because you told them get off the video game and he's yeah. mad, right? That's right. gonna happen. That's being a That's, good parent. <laughs> yeah. But that you, some people say, well, you know, you gotta be careful with these kids because you don't. It says don't yeah. provoke them to anger, but it's not talking 
about taking away the video game and he gets mad and throws a temper tantrum. Right. It's about provoking him to anger through a methodology of not being a father. Yeah. And and not demonstrating that love and nurture. And I think in yeah. the, when we get into uh, an episode that's coming up, and it may be next week uh, or shortly thereafter, and I'm working on that one, it's called The Sins of the Father. Okay. And we're going to focus on that in particular. Uh, we're going to see how important it is uh, that the father raise up a child in this way because when he's when the nurture and admonition of the Lord is not there, there is an there's an opening yeah. for Satan to come in through a portal of some kind. And we're going to talk about that very soon. But it ties to what we're talking about, which is Satan's attack on children. Absolutely. <laughs> it, it, it really, it's, it's almost like the adjunct or part yeah. three, if you want to call it that. But go to Proverbs 22, John, because um, we mentioned this last week. And this time I want to read it in its context. When we do everything that we might consider to be right in the Lord where our children is concerned, uh, are concerned, that does not necessarily mean they're going to grow up with no problems. Yeah. In fact, they might grow up and rebel. And in your 20s, you tend to think you're 10 feet tall and mm-hmm. bulletproof. And I remember thinking to myself when I was 20 how dumb my parents were. And as I got into my 30s, I began to think how smart they were (laughs) because I began to realize that the things they were trying to tell me when I was 20, I wouldn't listen to, but they were right. And then I get into my 30s and having experienced some of the very things they tried to protect me from, I I went through and learned the lesson the hard way. Mm -hmm. And then I think I wish I would have listened. And in your 30s and 40s, all of a sudden now there's these new people that think you're dumb (laughs) which is exactly what's happening now you know our children are at that age to where they're going through that period of rebellion Mm -hmm. or thinking that and i I even see it when we discuss things with when my kids are home for you know holidays or whatnot and they think they know all the answers and i'll say something from the wisdom of the scriptures and you can just see them roll the eyes (laughs) and uh, you know they think we're idiots but here's the, you know, here's the promise we have from the Lord in Proverbs okay. 22, verse 6. It says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. It doesn't mean he might not depart from it when he's younger. Yeah. And we pray, and we should pray almost every day. Every day. Never mind, almost. Every day we should pray for our children. And one of the things we should pray is that if they've strayed, the Lord will return their hearts to him. Yeah. You know. But the key word here is trained. Training is not teaching. Training is something else. Think of training for an athletic event, you know. Okay. You can watch films and a coach can show you out of a book the proper methods you need to do a certain play or a gymnastic feat or a wrestling move or a tennis mo- mm-hmm. motion, whatever it might be. But until you get out there and practice it, yeah. all the book reading in the world is not going to make you better at that skill. You've got to go do it. That's mm-hmm. training. So training up a child in the ways he should go means you go through repetition of consistently, whatever it is, going to a good Bible teaching church, worshiping, praying. You know, we did not pray with our kids. We made a big mistake. You? Uh, Yeah. Personally? My my family, yeah. We didn't pray with them. Yeah. I'm I'm telling you, prayer was something that eluded me. Okay. It it was something that I did personally and privately. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. But I didn't focus on including my children to train them. And and I'll say this. um, I'm very grateful for the Bible teaching that I received Mm -hmm. all my life. 
and the focus on doctrine and rightly dividing. But the focus was to the exclusion of some of the things that we should have been doing, yeah. like praying with our children. Openly praying with our family and and and, 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 and relying on the and the spiritual battle. We and you're talk talking about. about prayer when it comes to everyday life things yeah. you need. I think what immediately goes through people's head, and I would think this because this is what went through my head just now when you said, "Well, I, we never prayed with our children," and I was like surprised, really. Yeah. And immediately I thought to myself, "Wow, we always sat down with our kids and prayed." But now that I'm thinking about it, we sat down and prayed. Uh, thanks for the meal we have. Right. And that was pretty much the extent of it. Yeah. Right? I, now, I, that's what I'm talking about. Okay. So that doesn't, in my mind, that's a good thing. A family should sit down and have a meal together. Yeah. And you should teach your kids the practice of saying thanks and, for the and food. And gratitude. Yep. But I'm talking about we never sat down, and now I'm starting to feel guilty, but we never sat down <laughs> with our children. And let's. Let, 9-11 is a perfect example. Yeah. When that happened, we should have sat down as a family and prayed, what is going on here yeah. with us and with our nation? We, we did, any we did crisis, it over, yeah. Any crisis. Yeah. We've gone through attacks over the years in ministry. Uh, there was a time when my wife had started yeah. a children's youth theater group, and it began to be attacked from parents yeah. who wanted their kids to be stars. And the lies and the maliciousness that it, it caught us completely off guard, you know, because we mm-hmm. the kids were great, but we just it, it came but out. They were of caught up in the middle field. of it. And yeah, they saw it all happen. Oh, right? and it destroyed a lot of relationships. Yeah. But during all that time, with my kids actively involved in this community, with their friends and and these other parents, and it wasn't every parent; it was just a handful. But during all that time, it never dawned on me to pray with my kids yeah. about it. And to ask God's protection over it and to pray for the people doing the attacking and demonstrating the love of Christ towards them. And you know what I mean? And what they saw us do was react. (laughs) And I'm going to tell you right right now, I reacted so badly because I got defensive of my wife. Because she was the principal target. Yeah. And and I'm partly involved, but on the sidelines. Uh, you get angry. But, oh, that, that flesh yeah. in me just reared up. And I, I guarantee you I was not a godly example. Oh, I'm thinking about the times when I was coaching basketball and yeah. parents got mad because their kid didn't get to play enough. Yeah. <laughs> and then how did I react? Yeah. In front of my kids. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, I'm sure we could blame each other for all I kinds of stuff, man. It's a, it's a confessional <laughs> right now. But when you think about it, it's like it, you know, my first instinct is always wrong. It's to react. Yeah. When I should have stopped and immediately thought, let's go pray about this. And by the way, that's never more important than if you need to discipline a child. Because we're going to talk about discipline wow. here in just okay. a second. And when you think about it, if your child just gets on your last nerve and he's done something, worthy of discipline. And in this case, you feel like a physical discipline is merited. Mm -hmm. If you're striking him in anger, you're doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, that time you need to go cool off and pray before you have to administer the discipline. And then I remember once when I did, when I did it right. And I recall, uh, when I grew up in my family, my siblings and I fought like cats and dogs. Okay. And they, and we'll get into a whole thing when we talk about the sins of the father and how my relationship with my family went, uh, how it started off. But, uh, and now we have a closeness that we've never had before. But I remember the first time my two boys, who are my first and second born, fought. I walked in 
and saw them literally fist fighting. And they were a little bitty. Yeah. I mean, five and three or whatever the ages were. And I had a flashback, almost like a post-traumatic stress disorder of my childhood. And I thought, no, I cannot allow this. I am not going to let my children grow up fighting like we did. And so I I sent them to their rooms and I thought, I've got to discipline them, but I got to go cool off. And I did. I remember taking the time to cool off and I probably prayed, Mm -hmm. I think at that point, because I wanted to make sure that I disciplined them in love. And if you go to verse 15 of this chapter, since we're Mm -hmm. here in Proverbs, notice it says, Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. And the rod of correction can take on different forms. And scripture doesn't condone abuse at all. But in this case, I decided it would be good to use. I don't believe in using a hand because the hand should be associated with love and tenderness and caressing and comfort. Okay. But a switch or a belt becomes the bad guy. Okay. And so yeah, yeah. when when you know when I was a kid, you go sometimes they made you go get the switch. I remember, I remember that pulling over on the side of the highway. Yeah. Or <laughs> or you had to watch Dad walking up to get the switch, and you're just yeah. like, oh man, <laughs> man, the switch is worse than anything. Well, here's the thing, and and maybe it was just my kids, I don't know, but I cooled off. I went and I sat down and I talked to them and I explained to them what I had to do and why, and told them this verse, mm-hmm. and then I took the switch. And they got their discipline, and they cried. Yeah. But you know what, John? I never, ever had to discipline them again. Hmm. Not once after that. And it broke my heart to do it. Yeah. Because the last thing you ever want to do is strike your own child. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it it didn't hurt them. I mean, it hurt their pride more than anything. But it, it was painful enough for them to know that what they did was wrong. And I'm telling you. And he says, there's even a passage about doing it while there's still time. Uh, Look in chapter 23, verse 13. It says, withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod and shall deliver his soul from hell. You know, you talk about spare the rod, spoil the child, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think you alluded to that last week. You know what the passage actually says? It says, he that spareth his rod hateth his soul. Wow. That's heavy. In other words, if you don't discipline them, it doesn't always mean the rod is a switch. Mm-hmm. You get the idea. The rod could be a timeout. The rod could be any number of things that fits the, the fits the transgression. Yeah. But but use it and discipline accordingly, because if you don't, you're demonstrating that you don't love that child. So, so part of Satan's attack on children then is our society's mindset now that if you are correcting your child right through mm-hmm. discipline. They call it child abuse. They call it abuse. It's not abuse. Now, it can be. I'm not saying it can, it's yeah. not, right? It can be if some guy, like you said, yeah, if you're striking mad at his kid yeah. because whatever, he spilled paint in the garage or something, he pulls his belt off and just starts yeah. wailing on a kid. That is child abuse. There, there's abuse. And, there, and abuse takes other forms. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot of abuse out there, so don't get me wrong. You, that's why you've got to be so careful to pray yeah. about how you're going to administer the rod, whether it be words because think about it, the rod of iron that Christ is going to rule is the Word of God. Yeah. So sometimes you might just need to sit them down and teach them a Bible lesson or maybe make them write, you know, if they're old enough to write, 
mm-hmm. a page about what I did wrong and why the Bible corrects yeah. it. Yeah. Sometimes there's different ways of, of giving discipline, but absolutely, I'll tell you what true child abuse is, is to not discipline your children mm-hmm. because then they grow up wild and irresponsible and thinking they can get away with anything. Yeah, and yeah. if you don't correct your child while they're young, the state will do it for you yeah. later. You're setting them up for failure. You are, absolutely. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. So we, we're talking about ways that we can protect our children, and it starts with love. It starts with correct discipline. And, uh, and then... Paul says something interesting about children. We already read about the passage where Christ said, your face should be like a child. And mm-hmm. that in heaven, their angels do always uh, face my father. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every child seems to have like an angel yeah. that's there to, uh, I'm not sure exactly what their function is, but I think about the years when I was young and not saved, how many things I could have been, it could have been far worse. Yeah, And maybe God, knowing that because he's God, that when I was at 20 years old, I would trust Christ as my Savior. He protected me from a lot of my own stupidity mm-hmm. and perhaps other things uh, to get me to that point where I would live to trust Christ. Because mm-hmm. he knew I would. Yeah, And so there's something about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, where we read in verse 12, but to the rest speak I, not the Lord. If any brother hath a wife that believeth not, and she be pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away. The point being, if a person in a marriage gets saved and the other spouse is lost, don't go, don't leave them. Yeah. If they are pleased to stay with you, stay. Let them stay. Because yeah. you might get them saved yeah, later. Absolutely. He says, verse 13, and the woman which hath an husband that believeth not, if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, hmm. set apart. The word means holy. Okay. And the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean, but now are they holy. And he's not saying they're holy in that they're saved and redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, because every person has to trust Christ individually. Yeah. But there's a, they're set apart somehow. They're sanctified by the fact that the Holy Ghost is in the believing parent. Yeah. The Word of God is hopefully coming into their lives, and they're getting exposed to truth that they wouldn't otherwise yeah, see. absolutely. Hence, sanctified. Yeah. It's almost so, like there's an opportunity, yeah. and God's presenting an opportunity for them. Now they've got to make up their own mind. Exactly. And it's part of their upbringing in the nurture and admonition. But, it, but to the believer, he's saying, just because you're now a believer and they're not, doesn't mean you walk a different path, right? You That's still right. walk that path with them, because now you're presenting an opportunity to them to yeah. show them the, the word. Right? And the prayer would be your conversation in the Lord would convict the heart of the unbelieving spouse yeah. that they might turn to the Lord as well. Yeah. Because they need to see your joy. Mm-hmm. They need, And if you drive them away, that's on yeah. them. That's not on you. And when I say drive, don't be annoying. I mean, it's just because you're loving for the Lord and because of your newfound faith in Christ and the way you want to live your life, if that were to drive your spouse away, then you're you're not condemned. Yeah. You know, you're, that's, that's on them. And the children that are sanctified in a believing home does not mean that it, 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 it doesn't make them impervious to Satan's devices. In fact, all the more mm-hmm. Satan will attack. Hi, if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider being a full-time subscriber. We are going to use these funds to expand the message and get the word out about what's in the Bible that the world doesn't want you to know about. That's right, John. We appreciate you listening, but we'd love it if you'd subscribe. That way we can reach more people with the time we have left. 
So enjoy the rest of the podcast, but think about subscribing if the Lord puts it on your heart. To subscribe, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com. Thanks. And I, I believe with all my heart, when, when I share a bit of my childhood testimony in this episode we're going to do later, that I had, uh, there's a, there was a generational line of unbelieving mm-hmm. parents, grandparents. And then there was one set of grandparents that were believers, who I don't doubt in my, for a minute they prayed for us. And they yeah. were very gentle. They were laissez-faire. You know, they were hands-off. They didn't come in and try to overwhelm with anything. But they were very gentle in trying to guide us to the Lord. And I'm certain that set us up for satanic attack, too. Because he doesn't want their truth and the Lord's light yeah. to shine in our lives when he's got us in darkness. Right? Yeah. And so these are part of his devices. Uh, I do not believe in a name-it-and-claim-it kind of doctrine. Uh, we fight a real battle. I, I, I'm always astounded by the people that say, I, I rebuke this in the name of Jesus, and, and I, I'm going to be healed of this cancer or whatever. And in the meantime, they're going to have surgery on their elbow. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's a disconnect there, and, and we need to be honest yeah. in our faith, you know, because not every malady God's going to heal. Yeah. Paul had a thorn in the flesh. It was a message. It was a, a satanic entity that oppressed him, and he prayed three times for the Lord to deliver him, and God said no. He said, my strength is made perfect in weakness. We'll get to that in another time. Go to Matthew 17. So children uh, have some sort of a sanctification, some sort of protection in the Lord from, in fact, that admonition that if you offend them, it'd be better for you to drown in the sea. Yeah. But what about satanic oppression of children? Here we had them offering their children in the fire to Moloch historically. Mm-hmm. And then we also see children being possessed by unclean spirits. And now you ask them, what did they do? Yeah. What did they do? Were they worshiping other gods? So look at Matthew 17, verse 14. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man, came to Jesus, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic. And sore vexed. And by the way, when I t- call our political leaders lunatic, I mean it in this sense. Okay. They're demon controlled. Yeah. Uh, lunatic and sore vexed. For oft times he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And by the way, in his response, John, is a clue as to why this child had this oppression. Okay. He said, you perverse generation. Now, what is a generation? You know, it's a people. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a time period maybe. Yeah. But it's Israel. And what made them perverse? Well, we already talked about it. Yeah. They used to turn and worship idols and offered their children. And they opened portals, mm-hmm. generational portals wow. that came in. That's a clue. Yeah. All right. That's a little, that's a little heads up. Verse 18, and Jesus rebuked the devil, this entity in the child, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart, meaning separate from the crowd, and said, why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, "Remove, remove hence to yonder place and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. How be it, 
this kind, the kind of devil the child had, yeah. goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. So we learn a lot in this passage. Yeah. We learn that faith is required in order for us to do certain things. Yeah. Okay, and in this case, the the uh, disciples didn't have enough faith to cast out this particular devil. However, it goes out by prayer and fasting, so they may not have known that or known mm-hmm. that it was required for it to go. The key thing here being prayer, and not to discount fasting as a part of it. Yeah, I think they're both. Well, the fasting is interesting to me. Yeah. Well, but we were anyway, talking on a yeah. break about fasting for health reasons, but do yeah. you ever think about fasting for? For prayer reasons, no. or fasting for dealing with, you know, if we talk about praying for our kids, and what about fasting for our children, hmm. yeah, and praying that whatever oppression they might be going through, mm-hmm. be they would be delivered from, and having the faith to do it. And um, this is an example of a child possessed by an unclean spirit at a young at a young age. So it begs the question: What did he do? To deserve this. Yeah. And I don't believe the child did anything to do that, but something generational took mm-hmm. place, right? Hence the word that you pointed out. Where was it? The perverse generation in verse yeah, 17. The perverse generation. Yeah. Yeah. Sins of the father. Yeah. Which we're going to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to get more specific with that one, but we're still dealing with ch- children in general right now. But go to Mark chapter 9. And we're going to see, it could be the exact same example, the exact same child, but we get a little more detail. Okay. In verse 17, uh, and one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. Dumb means he couldn't speak. Mm-hmm. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. So it could be it's the same devil and the same child and father. Mm-hmm. And now we know more details, like he, he can't speak, he mm-hmm. throws him in the fire, he throws him in the water, he tries to kill him, yeah. like what this devil's doing. And uh, he tears at him and makes him foam and gnash, and he's pining away almost like he's not eating. you know. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why fasting was necessary, prayer and fasting to cast this one out, because it was causing the child not to eat. You know, maybe. Huh. So it tells me devils have personalities. They have different powers, they have different functions, just like people. Yeah. They're just as varied as people are. Well, you know they have some kind of different powers because he's saying this one can't be yeah, cast this out. kind. Yeah. This kind. Yeah. Different level. This one's a whole different animal, for yeah, lack of better exactly. terms, right? This one's a totally different demon you're dealing with. Exactly right. I believe there's multiple types of, of demonic spirits yeah. all coming from the un- disembodied yeah. spirits of the Nephilim. But in verse 19, Jesus answered him and saith, O faithless generation, perverse, faithless. Yeah. Know? How long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him. And he fell on the ground wallow, and wallowed foaming, almost like rabies. Yeah. You know? And he asked his father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? When did this first happen to him? Mm-hmm. And he said, of a child. And that's true. Does that mean from a baby? Uh, whatever the, yeah. Could have been a baby. Could have been a little bit One older. One-year-old, two-year-old. Yeah, toddler. But it's a child. And it. And it struck me as what caused these innocent children to fall victim to unclean spirits? And the Bible doesn't say. Here it doesn't say. What it goes on to say is, uh, of a child, verse 22, and oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. 
And Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out with tears. And I'm picturing this father, and it makes me weep. Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Hmm. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit. So now we know he was deaf too. Yeah. Which again, a children can be born deaf and blind. Is it possible that some of this is demonic? You know? Yeah, I'm, I'm, that's running through my mind right yeah, now. Yeah. How much of this is this? I know I'm jumping ahead to yeah. next week or the week after, whatever. <laughs> but how much of this is the sins of the father? And if, if people are involved in satanic practices or mm. witchcraft or New Age or whatever, is it then passed down the line to kids? At and least we, a and portal. we just go, oh, something's wrong with the kid. Yeah. And I'm not saying that it's every case, right? Yeah. But yeah, wow, this opens up a whole other ball of wax here. You'll you'll recall in our uh, conversation with um, uh, a woman we interviewed, and I'm not going to say her name yet because um, we're holding off on releasing it until she's okay yeah. going going through some issues that she needs to do. But she was very candid with us, and in that conversation, she talked about learning that New Age artifacts occult things in her life, uh, books and stones and crystals and amulets and whatever they were, uh, were these portals that she used to channel these things. And when she got rid of them, she held on to one or two items. Mm -hmm. One, I think, was a pair of yoga pants. Yeah. And one was a, I forgot what she called it, but it was something. Some kind of crystal. Some kind of a crystal. And uh, a tamarind, I think, or something like mm-hmm. that. Tambulin or tambor, uh, whatever it was. And the yoga pants were just normal yoga pants. They had like some kind of a symbol on them. Yeah, they had yeah. astrological signs yeah. on them. Yeah. And because I think her justification in her mind when she was sharing it with us was that she paid a lot of money for it. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and yet she continued to be oppressed by these demonic entities. Yeah. And until she got rid of all the rest of that, she didn't close that portal yet. Yeah. You know, so there's something about these kind of things, you know, I think we, we had a conversation about a, a Mormon Bible or something. And you wonder sometimes if that's having a contribution, people mm-hmm. have, you know, people have grandfathers that were in the Masons and they have these, mm-hmm. I said Mormon Bible, Mason Bible. Mason Masonic Masonic Bible. Bible. Yeah. It was, that was me saying that yeah. because one has found its way near me. Yeah. And I said, I don't even want that thing around me. Yeah. And it, and it could very well be that that's, there's a curse associated <laughs> yeah. with it. I don't, I'm saying that it is. Yeah. I don't know that, but I, I know that in many instances when we've interviewed people, they find like Karen talked about a grandfather being a yeah. high ranking Mason. Yeah. And maybe that, uh, again, they, they make a covenant with Lucifer and it, and it binds their families, Yeah, you know? So anyway, let me, let me finish this passage because okay. we're going to get more into that in that episode. I, it's almost like we should have just gone ahead and done the sins of the father. <laughs> but hopefully that'll, that'll keep and pique your interest. We're teeing it up for to, when it yeah, to come, right? setting them up there. Uh, so he said, um, verse 25, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him. And he was as one dead, insomuch that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he was coming to the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could not we cast him out? And he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. So we see the same, like I said, I think it's the same entity. But the Bible doesn't tell us what portal was opened, what sin of the father, what caused yeah, this child. Yeah. But a child... Um, 
I think vulnerability to attack from satanic entities becomes uh, when these devices are allowed in. Mm-hmm. How do we know that some either his father or someone in his family yeah. ancestors were involved in the worship of Baal and didn't didn't repent of it or didn't rebuke it or didn't get rid of any items? That could have been associated with that worship. This might open spiritual portals that can make individuals susceptible to demonic influence or possession. And I say this because I I read a book, and actually I've got it right here. So for the sake of anybody watching this video here, uh, this is by author William Schnabelin, and it's called Lucifer Dethroned, An Amazing Story of Christ's Power to Deliver and Heal. And uh, William Schnabelin ended up being a very high-ranking satanic high priest of sorts. Wow. Okay. Uh, and that, the book is fascinating, but he tells the story of when he first became aware of entities, and he was a child trick-or-treating on Halloween. And I'm going to hmm. read an excerpt okay. from it for our audience, okay? So he says, uh, and he's talking about, he talks about himself in the third person of he and his little buddy that were going trick-or-treating. So he's telling a story, but this is a true story. It's, it's, it's the story it's of his It's him. Okay. Yeah, it's him and his buddy. He says, so making their way up Third Street toward the public school, the boy and his companion lapsed into momentary silence, caught up in the contemplation of the cozy lights and jack-o'-lanterns shining out into the dark, leaf-carpeted sidewalks, because it's fall. Mm -hmm. The boy chanced to look skyward through the arch of trees, now stripped of their leaves, and saw something which would change his life forever. The twinkling stars of an October night, which had been there minutes before, were now gone, or at least covered. The arching dome of the sky now seemed to writhe and twist like a living thing, or perhaps like a mass of living things. At first, the boy could not tell what he was observing. Was it dozens of throbbing, diseased bunches of grapes? They seemed to hang like obscene, dark tumors, obscuring the starry firmament. As the boy walked slowly out from underneath the scattered branches, his jaw agape, the view cleared slightly. Each cluster began to unfold slightly like some foul blossom. Then the boy realized what they reminded him of. They were bunches of huge bat-like creatures, digging their little claws into the very velvet darkness of the night. Then the creatures' eyes opened. Awful as they were, the eyes made it easier for the boy to differentiate how many there were. The answer applied him, uh, appalled him. There seemed to be thousands of them. Thousands of ruby-red eyes blazed out of the surging mass of vile unlike. The eyes seemed to sear into the very fabric of the boy's soul. And he heard them say, you belong to us now. Hmm. And it's an excerpt from the book Lucifer Dethroned by William Schnabelin. It's pages 12 and 13, right at the beginning of him telling the story. And he goes on to explain how from that point forward... Demonic entities led him into witchcraft and sorcery and vampirism. Whoa. Yeah. He actually needed to consume human blood. Uh, He didn't kill people to get it, but there may have been occasions where these people do that. 
Yeah. And uh, the bottom line was he got steeped in it. And incidentally, he was encouraged and did so to not only come up the high ranks of the satanic church, but he became a Roman Catholic priest. He became a high-ranking Mormon. He believed that they could draw power from all of these. It was all about reaching higher planes of, of um, ascension hmm. to become an ascended master. And it's not at all unlike what Paul encountered. So this in the one encounter that he had led him down the path to where he did all of this other stuff, right? Right. And the, here he was the, a child. I don't know how old he was, but yeah. he was young. And I guess the question is, why did these entities, because that sounds like a whole host of demons right yeah. there in the sky above him, choose him, right? Yeah. What happened to someone down the line, back to the sins right. of the Father. We're actually doing the other podcast now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know what? What, what precipitated what, yeah, this? What yeah, what made this happen to him? Yeah, and he doesn't go on, I don't recall, uh, explaining that, although he may have said it in the book. But he does tell a chilling story, and it's amazing how he got delivered from that in Christ and now has a ministry online. You can find his YouTube videos. Wow. He's much, much older now. I think he's. he looks like he's probably in his 70s, okay. perhaps 80s. Uh, but he uh, he has all kinds of interesting videos. I have to read up on him. Yeah, you can borrow the book if you okay. like. Okay, it's a really good one. Acts chapter nineteen, Paul encounters uh, um, some people in Ephesus. In verse eighteen, it says he, he preaches to to the the gospel, and thousands believe, and many that believe came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also, which use curious arts, brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. And I think somebody added up that the third, the 50,000 pieces of silver in today's money is well over a million dollars. Yeah. You know, um, and it just shows you that it, it was, they burned all this stuff. And I think it's, it it's, stands to reason that we should be removing from our homes Anything that could have a satanic influence. If your kids play with a Ouija board, yeah, uh, or Dungeons and Dragons, or certain almost all these video games are pretty horrible. Oh yeah, they're violent and everything else. And I'm certain that there's there's something about them that's satanic. And God didn't call us to have those things in our home. If we go to first, a uh, Second Corinthians. Chapter six. Now, do you think there's different levels of those things? Like, I don't, oh, yeah. I, I don't think that. I, th I think it's bad for kids to listen to the wrong kind of music and play video games yeah. that are like extreme violence. Mm -hmm. I also think it's on a much different level for kids to get around and you get together and use a Ouija board. Yeah. That's what I mean by different levels. Like, yeah, there are, I'm sure there are, you know, like, I, I don't know, and I'm just throwing out my opinion, that mm -hmm. if, if your son or daughter is listening to a lot of rap music or rock and roll, that that's necessarily bringing a demonic presence into your house. I don't know. Well, I'll say I would have argued uh, that you're right maybe mm -hmm. 10 years ago, but after looking at some of the information that you can find on VigilantCitizen.com, okay. uh, when you see how these rap and rock artists today literally are worshiping Satan through their videos and stuff and through yeah. their music and reading their lyrics, I would say no, that they are satanic. And and I would be very careful and scrutinizing of what I would let my children listen to. Yeah. Because uh, I now know that these, I mean, I had no idea David Bowie was literally a, a Thelema acolyte and worshiper of mm -hmm. the, the Anton LaVey type satanic stuff. Yeah, yeah. And the last video he did before he died was called Dark Star, 
or Black Star. Mm-hmm. It is so overtly satanic. It's probably one of the most satanic things I've ever seen. And then mm-hmm. if you look at the symbolism of the one eye sign yeah, yeah. and everything going on throughout media, everywhere, in print, I, I mean, it is all around us. It's, all the more yeah. reason I would be extra vigilant to be protecting yeah. my young children. Hmm. Now, if they're, and they're over 18, they're, they're going to have to make their own decisions. But I've got to live knowing that I may not have prepared my kids to be more discerning, you know. Yeah. And they might be listening to stuff. I'm, I'm thankful in some ways, that my kids love the music that I loved listening to growing up. And I, yeah. I could say, oh, it was pretty innocent, maybe compared to today, but maybe not. You know, the generation before mine probably thought our music was of the devil, you know, yeah, yeah. and maybe there could be something Maybe it was that. just much more hidden. Like we, yeah. you know, growing up, I'd listen to Led Zeppelin, mm-hmm. and, and we got Me into, too. we got into the eighties, and I was, you know, I was listening to mm-hmm. hair metal. You know, it was a Motley Crue. They yeah. got Pentagram on there, on the Shout at the yeah. Devil album cover. But it wasn't yeah. as in your face. But that can be said across <coughs> everything in Excuse our society me. today. That now Satan is revealing himself. I mean, look at the the halftime of the Super Bowl. Come on, yeah. But and those then, things you're talking about that didn't seem as overt. I mm-hmm. mean, a Pentagram on an album cover. That's pretty overt. That's pretty overt. Yeah, and and also they were setting. It's it's desensitizing so that today's Mm -hmm. crowd will think, oh, there's not. Oh, just because they bowed down and said praise Lucifer at the middle of the Super Bowl, whatever. I mean, they didn't do this last time, (laughs) but you know, oh, that's and they're going to continually be desensitized until the beast shows up and he says, I'm God, and they're going to go, oh, yeah, you must be, yeah, because none of this other stuff ever bothered them. Yeah. You know, they've been prepared for it. And look what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 6. I, I would have been the guy that defended all that music back in the day. Being a musician. Well, because it was just like, oh, shock factor. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Shout at the devil. Yeah. Use that one at Motley Crue. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, shock, that's just shock factor. Yeah. And yeah. now I think it was glorifying him in a very subtle way. Yeah, but no, I guess my point is, so it used to be just shock factor. That's how we justified it. Yeah. To now you come forward, there's a band called Ghost, which is extremely popular right now with young people. Mm. This band has openly said that their concerts are a satanic service. Wow. And I've seen videos, I hate to say and it. And who's their target audience? Oh, it's all young people. Young people. Yeah, it is all young yeah. people. Because, and I've watch videos and I hate to say that I've watched videos but I did it just out of like pure like curiosity and like amazement and there are people chanting um names of demons in the service but they're not thinking like oh this is a, a satanic service let's go because this is cool or because we want to worship satan yeah. they're just there for the the vibe I mean and when you listen to the music if you took the lyrics out and didn't know anything about what they're saying the songs are actually pretty cool. I mean, like as far as the instrumental part. So that you that's know the I mean? appeal to get them to the thing, yeah. but they don't know that they're now leaving curse with an entity to plague them. Yeah. And a portal opened for them to start. We'll get into dreams and we'll get into recurring nightmares and the sins of the father. And we'll talk about sleep paralysis. Yeah. And we're going to find out these these methods in which Satan comes in. And it doesn't even have to be an overtly occult thing like ghost. Yeah. It can be just a, a family without the protection of the Lord because he's never acknowledged which was my case yeah, in, yeah. in my, my upbringing. Hmm. So okay. 2 Corinthians 6, look what, what Paul says about this in verse 15, uh, verse 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. 
Christians read this, I think you're talking about don't marry a, a non-Christian. That's not what this is talking about. That's what I always thought. Yeah, it's not. It has nothing okay. to do with that. It has to do with you fellowshipping with things that are satanic. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So I totally misinterpreted that. Yoked together. I mean, is marriage a yoke? <laughs> I'm not going to comment on that, Scott. <laughs> you better not answer that, John. And so, and yoke means you're pulling the same plow. Yeah. You're working together. And maybe you could say, in a sense, a marriage is a work together. Yeah. But I'm talking about in everything like it's it's about fellowship and worship. Okay. So you can't. So what um, fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? We bring darkness into our homes, and our children are exposed to it. Hmm. And what concord hath Christ with Belial, another name for Satan? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols, which we're surrounded by? Yeah. Washington, D.C. We're going to do an episode about occult Washington, D.C. The symbolism is has been occult from day one. And it, it yeah. was literally meant to centralize demonic power and focus it on that city. That city is a den of iniquity. And mm-hmm. everybody that lives there is, is being oppressed by demonic forces, yeah. especially the politicians. Uh, and he says... Um, mm-hmm. For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them. That's not a marriage. Come out from among those infidels, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be what? A father unto you. And ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So I think the, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I would say that the father relationship here is a picture in the family. In the family. If the father is not protecting his children and ridding his home of these things, like I said, which I would have argued to have the albums of Led Zeppelin and stuff in Mm -hmm. the days past. But it's important that we prepare our children for the spiritual battle. So I think a lot of people, because I'm thinking this in my head, are thinking that maybe this passage says, if you're a believer, don't even associate with unbelievers, which cannot be true, right? No, it, because it's we're not, called to go see them. Yeah, right? it's, it's just not, like not Jesus, Jesus sat down with the tax collectors yeah. and he said, I'm not here for the, yeah. the saved, I'm here for the people that need me. It's not having fellowship with them. Okay. We're talking about worship. Don't get involved in the things that they worship. Okay. So that's what we're talking about. It's communion. In other words, you're separating yourself and say, hey, we're going to go to this ghost concert. And you say to your children, no, you're not going. Because I don't want you aligned with something that is overtly satanic. Now, you go to your job. You don't know who's saved. You know, you work amongst people that might be lost. Sure. You go shop at the grocery store. You don't know that a portion of the money you give to that store is tithed to the church to say you don't mm-hmm. know that unless they yeah. come out and say it and then you might make a decision about it but we start in our home we have to start by cleansing the home of the things that might open a portal or place mm-hmm. an undue influence on our kids and therefore we make discretion we we make sure that we don't let our kids get involved in hey we're going to go to the, uh can i spend the night at you know janie's tonight we're going to have a seance no you're not well yeah you know and you've got to be very diligent about that because the bible does say in james 4 verses 7 and 8 resist the devil and he will flee from you draw nigh to god and he will draw nigh to you mm-hmm. so we have power over the enemy 
You know, hmm. we do not need, uh, we need to exercise it. We don't need to like have no association with anybody that's lost because then you'd have to leave the world. Paul said, you you have to go out of the world yeah. to do yeah. But there, um, there will be suffering. There's going to be persecution. There's going to be affliction on the body of Christ. And it's going to come, it's going to not just always be from human beings. It's going to come from these oppressive entities. Yeah. So we need to be, uh, we need to prepare for it. We need to be in constant prayer, and we need to prepare our children for it. But go to 1 John 4, so we'll close with this passage. 1 John chapter 4, to leave our listeners with a little bit of hope and encouragement. Okay. Um, you're going to have to pray about and use discernment from the Lord as to what you feel like might be in your home. That's an undue influence. You know, that could okay. be a negative influence. So you start with yourself. Am I being the husband, the father? I should be. And we pray for the Lord to guide us to love our children and our wives in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And wives, same thing. Mm -hmm. you know, pray that you'll be the mothers and the, the wives that you should be. And then we pray for our children, whether they're grown or not. Uh, pray for their protection. Pray for a covering, a mantle over them. Then we need to remove those things that could be in our home that could cause an undue influence or a portal yeah. to be open. And then we draw near to God in prayer and in study. And we have to cleanse ourselves really of the mental entanglements that distract us from fellowship with him. Uh, hmm. And, and it's, it's like we talked about some of those devices. It could be games, pornography. It could be, uh, it, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be music. It could be certain things that distract us from the truth. Okay. And the moment we do that, I've always felt like, John, that in my prayer life, there was like a, a, a bit of a barrier. And I would pray, and I knew I was speaking to the Lord. I knew he was hearing me, but I didn't feel like there was a close fellowship between me and the Spirit of God okay. until I started <clears throat> removing these things. Because I never thought, hey, right division doctrine that we grew up learning never focused on these things. Yeah, It's all about Paul's gospel, Paul's gospel, Paul's yeah, gospel. Yeah. And it's true. Paul was given a unique gospel. But... To, to the exclusion of everything else, we stopped. We really didn't rightly divide the word of truth. We rightly divided Paul's epistles. Yeah. But we didn't yeah. search the scriptures like Paul said to do. And so um, when um, we remember this in John 4, 1 John 4, verse 4, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. He's, he's talking about the world, the unbelievers. Uh, in fact, if you back up, look at verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are going out into the world. I was never told to try the spirits. Hmm. You know, there are spirits, and they're out there. Yeah. And we were no, never told to focus on that. And every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Everybody that denies that is Antichrist. Yeah. The spirit of Antichrist is everywhere in the world. So he says, verse 4, you're of God, little children. And have overcome them, the Antichrist, the spirit of the world. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The power that's in us is the power of God. Yeah, He's sovereign over all these entities. <clears throat> so we have access to the power that can cast them out. I mean through prayer. Yeah, And maybe there might be a need for fasting in and some fasting, circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Um, they are of the world, he says in verse 5. Therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. 
He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And I think it's high time we stand up <clears throat> against that spiritual wickedness in high places from Ephesians 6.12. We practically mention that passage almost every episode because mm -hmm. it's really the focus of what we're doing. We're trying to make Christians aware of that spiritual battle and prepare ourselves for it. So we start with our families and, yeah, Satan's attacking our children. Yeah. We need to get ready. <clears throat> we need to pray for our families and our kids and uh, pray for that mantle of protection. Absolutely. And the Lord promises that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So we have that promise of knowing that the, when their children are old, they will not depart from the Lord. So we may have, you know, in hindsight, I would have done a better job. Yeah, yeah. But we raised them up in the truth, and we just pray that the Lord will take them. So I hope that gives you some encouragement today mm -hmm. that are listening. John, thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And as always, thank you for listening once again. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please consider subscribing to our premium ad-free content at BibleMysteriesPodcast.com. Hey, thanks again for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast episode, and we so much appreciate you sharing with others and your friends and tell them about the show. And we'd also love it if you'd one more time consider joining Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast as a subscriber. Absolutely. And keep in mind that your subscription helps us get the word out to as many people as we can possibly reach. So we appreciate you partnering with us. Don't forget, it's BibleMysteries.Supercast.com. And thanks again for joining us today.